So we're going to be Philippians chapter 1, going through verses 1 through 11. All right, so here's what the word of the Lord says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me, I think, this, for me to think this way about you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and then the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now let me pray for us. God, we pray that as we open up your scriptures that you be faithful to your promises. You told us that every time we open up your word and we preach your word, that it does not return void. So God, would you be with us here in this moment? I pray that as we are wrestling with the book of Philippians, that you come and you speak to us uniquely tonight, God. I know that I need you. I need to hear a word from you tonight. So would you come and would you meet us in this place? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds? And may you transform our lives. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So oftentimes, the theme of a book that you're reading coexists with the title. Like, you can't differentiate the two. For instance, you can't think of The Great Gatsby without thinking about the American dream. You can't think of Uncle Tom's Cabin without thinking the, of the effects of American slavery. You can't think of Harry Potter without thinking friendship, right? Harry and Hermione and all the friends that they make in school. You can't think of Orwell's 1984 without thinking of human rights. You can't differentiate the book title with the theme because it's the immediate thing that comes to your mind as you're thinking about these books and what the content of the books works through throughout the entire story. And the same can be said about the books of the Bible. Each book contains themes. And these themes, they add to the wholeness of Scripture. That's why we have 66 books that we read through these books. There's different themes that speak to the heart of God or speak to the story of God. And we, we read these things. And whenever you read through the books, you can't differentiate between the book title and the theme of the book. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be working through one of those 66 books. We're going to be working through the book of Philippians. And one of the themes that you can't separate from the title of the book of Philippians is partnership. Partnership holds a deep theme in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. I mean, you see this all throughout the letter. You see it multiple times throughout the letter. You see it at the very outset. Verse 7 says, you are all partners with me in grace. 
You jump to the end of the letter, you have chapter four, verse three. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, and he's speaking of a particular person here, likely the person that's carrying or receiving the letter. You have later at the end of chapter four, verse 14, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And then you even see it at the onset of the letter in the very first few verses. He says this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Look, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so as we officially launch Storyline Church, I want us to start like Paul does with the Philippians by talking about partnership. Now, we haven't gotten to this point where we're starting weekly services without talking about the idea of partnership. I mean, that's what's gotten us to this place, right? We've gotten here because we've seen men and women that have responded to a call that God has placed on their life in order to pick up their families, move to a new location in order to go and share the good news of Jesus. That takes partnership. But here's my, here's my thought and here's my desire, here's my prayer, that as we launch our weekly services, that the partnership doesn't start, a stop. It's actually just the beginning point of what our partnership looks like as we partner to take the gospel out to this place that God has called us, all right? So here's what I'm wanting to do tonight. I just want us to talk about two aspects of partnership that we see from Philippians 1, 1 through 11. And as we look through Paul's words, I just want us to dream and visualize what partnership can look like for us moving forward as we launch weekly services, all right? So we see the first aspect of partnership in verses three through seven. I'll read them again to kind of refresh our minds, all right? So it says this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So obviously, you can see partnership just pops up throughout that whole entire passage, right? Like you, it, you can't get away from the idea of partnership by looking at this. Now, but if you look really closely at the different references that were made to partnership here, you realize that there was great sacrifice that was made in order for there to be partnership around this gospel between the Philippians and Paul. Verse five says your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's actually talking about financial gifts that are given to Paul. You look at the end of the letter and you see that Paul states that literally when no one else was supporting Paul, at all, when no one else was giving anything financially to Paul and the work that God had called him to, the Philippians were. They were partnering with Paul from the very first, from the outset of his ministry. They were partnering and giving and sacrificing and providing for this work that God had called him to do. But you also see personal security was a sacrifice that they were willing to make. You see this in verse seven, he says, partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Literally, like they're standing up with Paul as he's in prison. He writes this letter while he's in prison and he sends it to the Philippians. He's saying, hey, I feel that you're standing up with me for the gospel while I'm about to go and stand in defense 
for the very thing that God has called me to, the very thing that he's done in my life. You see, in trusting Jesus, the Philippians, they were declaring Jesus as Lord. And at this point in time, only Caesar was to be declared, declared Lord, and he was the only one that was to be worshipped as well. And so by them proclaiming that Jesus was king, that he was Lord of their life, they were enacting an act of treason at this point in time. And what is incredible about this is they're doing this act of treason in one of the most prideful cities in all of the Roman Empire. So Philippi is a strategic city for commerce throughout all of the Roman Empire. This is one place that if you wanted to get to a certain part of the kingdom, you had to go through Philippi. And so it was this very beautiful, very prestigious place, but it was also well known as a settling place for soldiers after this historic battle for the direction of the Roman Empire happened here, all right? So there's this huge battle that took place. The person that actually um, assassinated one of the Caesars, um, they had this massive battle that happened in Philippi. After this battle, a lot of the soldiers that won, they settled in Philippi, and so there's just this steeped Roman culture that's taking place in Philippi. I mean, it's all over the place. All of the monuments, all of the architecture, all of the stuff, it's steeped in Roman culture. And so for them to state that Jesus is Lord of their life, they're literally putting their life at stake. They're saying, Jesus is my Lord. And they're willing to sacrifice their own personal security in calling and declaring Jesus Lord of their life. Now the question is why would they be so adamant about this partnership with Paul? Why is this something that the Philippians were so committed to that years after Paul had already come to them, they're willing to stand with him in the defense of his own personal testimony? Well, there's likely a combination of reasons that you can find here, but one of them has to be getting the gospel out. This is the first aspect of gospel partnership that we see in verses 1 through 11, getting the gospel out together. I mean, just go and read the conversion stories that happen in Acts 16, where you see the birth of the church in Philippi take place. You have this lady, Lydia, who is this wealthy designer who sells garments to all the people in Philippi. Paul walks up to her, meets her at a river, presents the gospel, and boom, immediately she gives her life to Jesus. She literally looks at Paul and says, hey, um, if, I, if you truly believe that I have become a follower of Jesus, then come stay with me at my house while you're here in Philippi. And then you have the birth of the church start right in her living room. Then you have Paul that goes and he's walking the streets and then he runs across this exploited, fortune-telling, demon-possessed slave girl that Paul speaks over her and she's freed, she's healed. Demon is gone. I mean, this, this is like one of the second converts that takes place in Philippi. Then you have this jailer. Because of Paul speaking and removing this demon out of this little girl, her owners then throw a huge riot, gets Paul and Silas thrown into jail. There's this massive earthquake that happens. The jailer thinks that all of the prisoners have gotten out, and so he's literally moments away from committing suicide until Paul and Silas tell him, like, no, 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 we're all still here. We haven't fled. And so the jailer takes Paul and Silas back home. They share the gospel. Boom. Becomes immediately a follower of Jesus. This is the makeup. This is the starting of the church in Philippi. This is just insane 
stories, these insane conversion stories, and all of them, to some extent, are this, that they've served these, served these dictators that have demanded their life in service for those that are above them. But then Paul and Silas come around and they preach this gospel about the one true living God who actually came down from heaven and laid down his life for all those that they may become and brought into his family. And so what's their response? Other people have to hear this gospel. The direction that my life was headed and the things that were going on in my life, I was serving these people that were above me and they were demanding my life for them, but then the God of the universe came down and lays down his life for all the world. So their mindset is this, Paul has come and he shared this good news with us. We have to partner with him because we have to get the gospel out. Other people that haven't heard this news, they need to hear this news about Jesus. And look, here's the thing about this. This should be our response too. Listen, most, if not all, every single person that's in this room has their own conversion story. They have this own story about how God has interrupted their life, how they have come out of a life maybe of exploitation, maybe come out of a life where they were pursuing heavily the American dream. Maybe it was something where you're pursuing the wealth and maybe even the toxic culture that comes along with that. And then boom, God interrupts your life and he changes your life and you go in a completely different direction. Look, every single one of us should marvel, not just at the conversion stories of those that take place in Acts 16 or the church of Philippi, but you should marvel at your own story. You were a life that was headed in a completely opposite direction, and boom, God shows up, and Jesus changes your life. You shouldn't marvel at it, and then the outset of that is we got to get this gospel out. This thing that's come and changed my life, other people have to hear this good news. And that's what is taking place in the partnership between Philippi and Paul. And marvel at this story. They're deeply committed to getting the gospel out. Look, not as two separate entities, but together. It requires sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice they're willing to make. And here's my prayer. That we could be as committed to partnering together and getting the gospel out as the Philippians were committed to their partnership with Paul in the same thing. Like, I want us to be a church that partners together in serving our city and praying over our city and throwing opportunities for people that maybe don't know each other in neighborhoods to come together in their neighborhoods just for the sake for us to be able to share this good news of Jesus with anybody and everybody that the Lord may bring across our doorstep. I want us to partner together to get the gospel out. I want us to be enamored by Jesus and what he's done for us. That's the first aspect of the gospel, or partnership around the gospel, is that we have to get the gospel out. That's what you see between the Philippians and Paul, and that's what I want to see here amongst us as well. The second one you see in verses three, or 8 through 11 says this, for God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. 
And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So those first verses that we looked at, three through seven, we're talking about the commitment that the Philippians had to Paul in their partnership. These final verses, eight through 11, are talking about Paul's commitment to the Philippians and their partnership in the gospel. And what he says there is a prayer that he has for them. He says, above all else, he's devoted to praying for the Philippians that they would, their love would keep on growing. And there's a sequence to his prayer, all right? So follow this sequence with me. Because in this, second, in this sequence, we see the second aspect of partnership. So he prays that their love would keep on growing in knowledge and discernment. This is basically saying, hey, growth in your understanding and the practice of the gospel. What Paul is saying he's praying for is that they would do the hard work of knowing the Bible, that they would do the hard work of knowing what they believe, that they would do the hard work of not just allowing it to stay in their heads, but then thinking through what it looks like for them to live it out, flesh it out in their life. And then this leads to approving the things that are superior and lead to purity and a blameless life. Because you grow in knowing the gospel and how to live the gospel, then that leads you to choose the things that really matter in this life. Because you know the Bible, you know what matters to God, and you are able to move forward with choosing those things that matter to God in the way that you, way that you live out the, your faith in this life. You choose the things that matter, things that are superior, and it leads to a pure and blameless life because you followed the pattern of Jesus in this life and not the pattern of this world. And the final sequence in growing in this understanding and the practice of the gospel is that you're filled with the fruit of righteousness. This is another way of saying the fruit of the Spirit that we all know so well in Galatians chapter 5. The love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look, this is what Paul is saying your life looks like if you follow this pattern, this sequence that he's prayed over the Philippians. That if you grow in your love and your knowledge your understanding and discernment, and that leads you to make the right decisions and take the right path in this life, and that leads to a pure and blameless life, then it leads to this fruit of righteousness, that you have this fruit of the Holy Spirit. All these things that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, and this is verses where their life was headed, all right? So here's the opposite list that you see in Galatians chapter 5. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and anything similar to this. Look, this is where he was saying, this is where your life was headed. But when Jesus came and interrupted your life, you took a different path. And I'm saying, I'm praying over you that you would keep on on that path. And that you would grow in maturity. That you would know this gospel inside and out. That it knows, you know what it looks like to flesh it out in this life. To follow this pattern. To keep on this pattern. And whenever you do that, you'll be filled with this fruit of righteousness. Look, what he's basically saying here is that he wants to get the gospel not just into their head, but deep down in their hearts. That's what he's communicating here. That's what the fruit of righteousness, the final product, is saying. That's when the gospel is taking deep, deep root in your heart. And that's the second aspect of partnership. 
The second aspect of partnership is that you get the gospel deep down in your life. Not do you just get the gospel out, but you get it deep down in your own life. Now, here's the thing about getting the gospel down. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You can't just hole up with Jesus and your Bible over in a corner somewhere and just completely remove yourself from the rest of the face of the world. That's not how you get the gospel down. Now, you need other people in your life to help you get the gospel deep down in your life. That's why Paul elsewhere talks about the church as one body in many parts. Ephesians 4.16 says it like this, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of, look, each individual part. So look, if we're going to do this work to get the gospel deep down in our own lives, it's going to happen because everyone plays their part. Do you see that? Like if we want to be a church that not just gets the gospel out, but we do the hard work of getting the gospel deep down in our hearts, it's going to require partnership. It's going to require us being committed to one another, not just your own walk with Jesus, but being committed to other people's walk with Jesus as well. That's, that's what this looks like. That's what gospel partnership is. And Paul is saying, I'm all in. I, I pray for this regularly for you. You see the affection that Paul has for the, the, for the Philippians here in this passage. He's, he has this deep affection. He says he calls on God as his witness, that he has this deep affection for them and the way that he prays over them, that they would work through this sequence in their life. And this is partnership. This is partnership to get the gospel deep down. And now here's what it looks like for us. If we're going to see this happen, here's what it looks like. It's dedication. It's dedication. Look, we've worked really hard to try to think up a philosophy of ministry for our church to where we can both get the gospel out, but also get the gospel deep down. That's why we've done all of our groups the way that we're doing them, where we meet for community group once a month, and we have discipleship groups where we're meeting in relationships around the Bible because we want to get the gospel deep down, but we also want to get the gospel out. That's why we did things like movie nights in the park. That's why we've gone to Tower Grove Park and sold coffee. That's why we've had mom play groups. That's why we've gone door to door, knocking on people's doors, asking how we can pray for them, giving them an olive branch of a bag of coffee that they can go brew in their own house. That's what we're doing trying to get the gospel out. But the, look, we're also trying to get the gospel deep down. And it's going to require dedication if we're going to see both of these things happen. So here's what that looks like. Like you take your walk with Jesus seriously. Like you go get in the Bible. And then whenever we come to our groups, like you come ready. Come ready to invest in other people's lives and allow them to step into yours. And then you're consistent not like once a month, not maybe half of the month that you show up. No, like you try to be as consistent as possible. You show up, you're ready, you're ready to go to step into people's lives, allow people to step into your life as well so that we can get the gospel out and then get the gospel deep down. That's, that's what Paul is talking about. That's what the Philippians are all about. And that's what I want us to be all about as well. I want us to be a church that gets the gospel out and then also gets the gospel deep down. Look, in partnership together, not apart. So here's what I want 
for us as we leave this place. Thinking about partnership, thinking about getting the gospel out, getting the gospel deep down. Here's the two walkways I want for you, all right? First one is this. Fall in love with the gospel. Fall in love with the gospel. Here's what a French poet, I don't know how to say his name, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> all right, here's what he says. You want to convince men to build ships? Don't pass out shipbuilding manuals. Don't organize them into labor groups and hand out wood. Teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. The way we're going to get the gospel out and deep down here at Storyline will not be by focusing on evangelism methods or discipleship curriculum, but look, falling head over heels in love with the gospel of Jesus. It's whenever we fall head over heels in love with the gospel that we can't contain getting the gospel out or getting the gospel deep down. Like, here's my commitment to you, all right? As long as God has me here, like every single Sunday, when we start meeting, every single Sunday, is my, my promise to you is I'm gonna do the best to my best ability to bring the gospel to us every single week. I want us to not just think about the gospel and move on. I want us to be in, entrenched in the gospel. One pastor says it like this. The gospel is not just the diving board, it is the pool. And look, I want us to swim in the pool every single Sunday when we gather together. Every time that we get together in relationships around the Bible and discipleship groups, I want us to be swimming in the pool. I want us to fall head over heels in love with the gospel because this is the way we're going to get the gospel out and also get the gospel deep down. That this idea that the perfect, faultless God of the universe came and he lived and he died in our place. And then he took our sin and our punishment in exchange for his perfection and his righteousness. Look, when we become infatuated when this idea, when we marvel at our own conversion story, that's when we won't be able to help getting the gospel out and getting the gospel deep down. We have to partner together in doing it. But the thing that we have to do first, we fall in love with the gospel. We swim in it. Every time that we're together, I mean, we memorize it. We read books about it. We sing songs that have lyrics about it. We make it the topic of conversation around our dinner tables when we are over at one another's homes. We pray that this thing would happen deep inside of us and then also get itself out. And when we do this, when this becomes the center of our partnership, look, we'll get the gospel out and we'll get it deep down. But it starts with falling head over heels in love with Jesus in the gospel. Look, that, that's the first thing that you need to take away from here. It's not that, hey, we need to think of all the strategies. We need to think of all the things. No, it's like we got to get head over heels in love with Jesus and the thing that he's done for us. We marvel at our conversion story. That's what it starts with. And then look, the second one is this, that you invest your life in this mission. Look, this isn't a storyline thing. This is a big C church thing, Right? This is getting the gospel out and getting the gospel deep down is the very mission of every church. Jesus' last words were this command. You see it in more than one occasion. So you have Matthew 28, the great, the great commission that takes place, that you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything that I've done and commanded you to do. Like, that's what the Great Commission is. Then you also have Acts 1-8, that you take the gospel out, 
not just to Jerusalem, not just to Judea, not just to Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. That's what happens. And what Jesus is saying, hey, invest your life in this. And I want us to be a church that invests our lives in this as well. C.S. Lewis, I think, puts it so well. He says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men and women into Christ and to make them little Christs. And if they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Look, every single one of us in this room wants to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. That's why we go to parades. That's why we want to be in bands. That's why we get into politics. We want to be something that's bigger and more outstanding than ourselves. And so what I'm asking, here's my question. Why not invest your life in something that you know is not just going to be lasting for this temporal, but for all eternity? The relationships that you invest in, those are eternal. The gospel that you pour out your life for, that's eternal. Seeing the heavens and the new earth Just a glimpse of it here in this world right now. That's eternal. So look, if we want to be something bigger than ourselves, if we want to be a part of something that lasts beyond us, then why not invest in your life in something like this, getting the gospel out and getting the gospel deep down? Let's close with this, all right? I've heard a, a number of different church planters relate to their church planting journey like a marriage. So you have the launch service, the uh, launch of the like weekly services is sort of like the wedding date. And the Sundays that follow that are like the marriage, all right? But like, I'm pumped. I'm ecstatic. I'm ready to run through a wall for our launch service. I'm, I, I cannot wait. But look, I'm here for the marriage. And what I'm asking from you is that you would be here for the marriage a partnership in getting the gospel out and then getting the gospel deep down. You fall in love with the gospel. You don't move beyond it, but you mind the depths of it. And then you invest your life in this mission of God. Look, when we do this, the gospel will get out and the gospel will get deep down.